I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. All right, guys, welcome back to another Purple Patch Podcast. And as ever, your host, Matt Dixon here. And what you may know about me is I've been labelled the recovery coach. And I've got to say, not always in a complimentary fashion. But the question is, how did I become so passionate about the subject of today's podcast, recovery? Well, we have to go back about 15 years, and I can still picture myself sitting there in my one-bedroom studio, the relics of a poorly executed professional triathlon career firmly in the rearview mirror, and I lay around with some form of lingering chronic fatigue, or what my brothers used to call laziness. But in truth, I was barely able to exercise, let alone train. Interestingly, this was a great thing for me, because at the time, it forced me to take a step back. It forced me to take a look at the landscape of what my sport was, triathlon. And what I saw when I reviewed how people set about training, including, of course, how I did it, was I saw pros and amateurs alike completely focused on the stress part of the equation. Yep, the training. Subjects such as recovery were merely lip service. And in fact, they were viewed as weakness. It's human nature. All of my competition is out improving and you're asking me to rest. Well, beyond just the rest component, there was a lack of framing on what proper recovery was. Subjects such as sleep or fueling were mere afterthoughts. The real promotion of recovery came in the quick fix band-aids. And this is when we saw the emergence of things like compression, massage and body work. I felt like the route to improve performance lay less in ramping up the stress or any real breakthrough in how we stress, which as unfortunately at the time was all the focus of many coaches, but instead the real route to improve performance lay in valuing recovery. Well today we're going to dive deep. We're going to talk about recovery, but we're going to do so in the context of two real Purple Patch athlete stories. But before we do, let's give out some prezzes. Last week, I got to chat to Dr. Chris Winter about a key performance topic, sleep. And I have to point out, if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, get doing so. It's required listening. It fits under the topic of today, the big pillar of performance recovery. At the end of the episode with Chris, I promised to give away a copy of his book to one lucky recipient. The book, The Sleep Solution. The ask, tell us about your approach to help sleep in 50 words or less. Well, we were inundated with thoughts. It was fantastic. I had much joyous reading, including one man that loves to wear his pajamas in bed just to help him sleep. But the winner, well, here it is. Congratulations, Stephen Mantell, Kansas City, Missouri. Here's what he said. I get my best sleep when I read instead of scrolling mindlessly on social media. Reading gets my creative juices flowing and helps me get go of excess mental stress. In addition to getting to sleep quicker, I also have deeper dreams, which makes me feel more rested in the morning. And you know why this was uh, resonating with me? It's because it's exactly my approach. Get out the paper book, read, escape, and have deeper sleep. So Steve, well done. A copy of the book coming your way. But now, let's get on with the word of the week. We like the way he thinks. Serious with a wake. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. 
All right, gang, so word of the week this week? Sweating. Yes, dirty, sweaty beast that you are. Well, you know what? Sweating is a good thing when you're working out, but not such a good thing when it comes to sleep. Way too many athletes associate waking up in dripping sheets as a big badge of honor and a sign that the body is working hard. Well, guess what? It is working hard, but it's overworking. In fact, it's a clear marker of a state of over-fatigue and under-recovery. Your body is in an overstressed state. You cannot adapt and recuperate. Sleep and rejuvenation is compromised, and the ability to thrive in daily tasks, work, or maximize your effort or performance in training will be compromised. So night sweats is a direct route to struggle street and ultimately underperformance. So if you consistently experience them, it's time to shift your lens and transition your approach. Specifically what the causes of your night sweats, well that's going to take investigation, but it's enough to know that you're in a state of overstress and it's time to back off. And so that is why this week, the word of the week is sweating. Now let's get on with your meat and potatoes. So the meat and potatoes, let's talk about recovery. And how did I earn that label, the recovery coach? Well, much of the catalyst emerged from my own evangelism. See, at the time, I believed so strongly that while there are no shortcuts and success takes massively hard work layered consistently over many weeks, months and years, real results would emerge from recovery being viewed less as an afterthought and instead a part of an athlete's program. We had initial success with it, people became inquisitive, but the approach was catapulted forward on the back of a single result. I don't think I can talk about recovery without telling you about the journey of Chris Liedo. In 2008, I began coaching Chris, and at the time he was already world class, but the truth was he'd struggled at the World Championships, the Hawaii Ironman. He was a front pack swimmer, a pure bike rider. In fact, I would still say the best bike rider that the sport has seen. And he was a much better runner than many people realized. I had a shared journey with Chris that I don't think he or I will ever forget. And one that cemented so much shared respect. I can only tell the story from my perspective, the coaches. Interestingly, I used to compete against Chris as when in my own fledgling triathlon career. And at the time, 2008, I had a very small group of emerging pros. And then suddenly I was approached by Chris. His first question to me, why should I be coached by you? Thinking on my feet, the quick answer, because I made all the mistakes and I think I've learned and now I believe I can help you. Well, fast forward, we started working with each other and my first job was to look at how he was going about his sport. Already accomplished, already an Ironman champion, having a great career but coming towards the twilight of it. I saw him as having a massive backbone of endurance but most seasons of training were actually forced with setbacks of major injury. So my question, how could I keep this athlete healthy but maintain and lean into his backbone of endurance and world-class performance that he already has and still seek performance improvement. The mission, there was only one for Chris now. He wanted to shine at the Hawaii Ironman World Championships. 
So the first step of the journey was to actually have a look at how he had gone about his training and performance globally up till time of Purple Patch. What I saw was an athlete that was moving towards the end of his career about 37 years of age and still chasing that magic 35 hours a week of training. This might have worked for Chris once, but I had the strong feeling that it wasn't going to work now. I also saw that he wasn't fueling enough following workouts and in fact globally simply wasn't eating enough calories to support that training load. In support, there was little to no strength training. The final piece of the puzzle I saw was too many of the days of training were hard days of training and there wasn't enough easy stuff in the recipe. What this meant is that I didn't just ask for some shift of training methodology, but a radical rethinking of what it was going to take to succeed. This was going to take massive courage from Chris and huge trust in a relatively novice coach at the time. I'll never forget the first thing I said to Chris after looking at his training. I feel like you're showing up fit and fatigued, and I want you to show up fit and fresh, now firmly rooted as a part of the Purple Patch Dictionary. So what were the actual interventions that we made? Well, the first thing we did was I took an axe to the training load. We went from 35 hours a week to typically somewhere around 20 to 24 hours a week. With that, we increased the intensity of the key sessions, making them really really challenging and hard we had much less of an obsession on the big volume and instead say when you're going to go hard you're going to go really hard we then counterbalance those hard training days with very very easy days it was the creation of the key sessions with very easy supporting sessions between so now we have Chris with a reduced training load, some targeted key sessions, but a whole bunch of easy work within that reduced working load. You can start to see how emotionally challenging this might be. Now think about what it felt when I said, great, and in top of that, you're going to increase your daily caloric assumption by somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 calories a day. And we're going to start to do religious strength and conditioning two to three times a week in support of your endurance work. The overarching umbrella of this is, Chris, your recovery is now a part of your program. He had to have a shift in mindset from the easy training being not weakness, not laziness, but an essential ingredient as a part of the performance equation. This is incredibly tough to do for a highly motivated professional athlete. It's no secret that athletes gain confidence from the big tough sessions that they do. But my mission, I felt, was to layer weeks and weeks and months and months of effective work. My hope was that we could live off the years of foundational fitness created over the course of his professional triathlon career and keep him healthy with a slightly reduced program. You see, the key is that fitness is not the limiter for Chris. He's already got all the fitness he can get. It's about specificity and making sure that he can show up fit and fresh. Well, all went well for the first year. He had good results. He progressed really well. And now we're starting to launch into the campaign for the 2009 Hawaii Ironman World Championship. I'll never forget, three to four weeks out of the race, it was time for a cleanse. Chris had done some really effective training, very strong and very fit, and all of the signs of performance were there. But I wanted to truly commit to him showing up 
that magical fit and fresh. And so I asked for a three to five day of completely easy training. Most of the sessions, 45 to 70 minutes endurance, very low stress, moving blood around the body, but not looking for any more adaptations. When you're only a few weeks out of the race, this is a really hard thing to do. To step forward, you've got to actually retreat a little bit. Interestingly, it was right at the time of the emergence of social media and athletes fell in love with posting their big sessions. So on these days of recovery, Chris was spending a little too much time diving into the social media and the group of the pre-race favorites were posting these epic stories of 112 miles of hard bike riding on the Hawaii Ironman course followed by an 18-mile run. Chris gave me the call. Are you sure this is the right thing to do? My response, we can now count them out on the running. They are going to show up fit and fatigued. Was I truly confident that that was the case? Mm, It would probably be a lie to say I was. But fundamentally, I believe that Chris was in the right place and that was all I could control. I felt the burden because he at that time had placed so much trust and started to become a believer in the methodology. But the weight of expectations still fell on my shoulders. Race week, when I look back, I realized he had gone through a whole season of no injuries. And in fact, by looking at his training load, he'd managed to accumulate almost as much training load as any other prior year. And that was simply down to the fact of consistency. He didn't have any injuries. I'll never forget in race week, I started to talk to Chris about the week and he was talking to me about races post Kona. I knew at that point he was ready. He was emotionally fresh and excited and looking even beyond this race. You see, the key ultimately is fitness is seldom the limiter. The key is to get specifically fit and show up ready to shine on race day. His actual race, it was tactically brilliant. He had a big mission of riding the second half of the bike course really, really well. And about 70 miles into the race, he only had a minute lead on the big group. By 112 miles, it was up to about 11 minutes. Did he win the race? No. Chris got second place at the Hawaii Ironman World Championship. He missed the win by two minutes. He was beaten by one of the world's best, Craig Alexander. Chris's nemesis throughout his career. Great respect between the two of them. But... The mission was still successful. He arrived and had his best performance on a tough day and managed to get second place at the Hawaii Ironman. He went on to continue to evolve, had a wonderful body of results in the back end of his career. And for me, that was really the start of the catalyst of inquiry and ultimately the label of me being the recovery coach. It might not have always been. So on the back of Chris's result, the big inquiry was, how did you do it? What was the recipe for him? And most people were looking for what were the magic sessions? What was the ingredients of the intervals that we did? And people were staggered to know that he only rode 100 miles the whole of that year, once or twice. Most of our focus was actually getting him healthy, consistent and recovering. We placed such a focus on all the key components of recovery, which we're going to talk about today, that the result was that he showed up ready to perform. Just as I mentioned at the start, everyone's focus was on the stress. How did you manipulate the stress? But in Chris's case, we did very little of that. We just added a little of intensity. What we really did was focus on the recovery. 
So let's come back to the now. I want to tell you about a different purple patch athlete. The second story of the day is by a woman by the name of Becky. And I think that you should listen to this carefully as you may well see parts of yourself in her story, as her story is all too common in the triathlon and performance space. Becky, without doubt, is a committed triathlete. She's a busy executive with a great job and a mum of two children. She travels with work two to three times monthly, and her mission is wanting to make it all work. She wants triathlon results, she wants life results, and she wants to be a great mum. She is a results and performance-driven woman. So how did she approach training? It was always a mission to squeeze 14 to 16 hours a week. That was her barometer of success. And when I actually reviewed the training program when she started with Purple Patch, I actually saw a really well-structured program. Lots of variety, lots of intervals, and nice progression throughout the year. The challenge was it was highly programmed into a heavy schedule. Training came first, but Becky was often challenged with fueling properly, often eating on the fly, and managing to win a great proper sleep, both in terms of quality and quantity. She had a little bit of an underlying mindset, downtime equals wasted time. So the first thing to go was always sleep. Now, in support of this, though, she was highly aware of healthy eating, and she focused on highly structured positive eating habits, trying lots of different diets to help with both performance and body composition. Over the first couple of seasons that she was in the sport, she'd had results, but lately the results relative to the work simply were not there. So what were some of the symptoms of her underperformance? Well, the very clear one was a plateau of actual results, both in terms of her racing and training. Was she really getting the return of investment on those 14 to 16 hours? We could add to that that she was also having a little bit of retention of body fat despite her focus on clean eating. I'm eating well, I'm focusing on clean eating, but I still can't shake those extra pounds. It also was not atypical for her to have reduced sleep quality, even night sweats. And of course, underneath it all, it comes as no surprise that she had very frequent niggles and injuries and even sometimes a little sickness. So my take on Becky, there was something wrong with the recipe. There was really nothing wrong with her motivation. And if we looked at her training program in isolation, it was pretty good. But global performance was not aligned with the effort going in. What Becky found herself at was a crossroads. She could either double down and work harder in pursuit of those results she was looking for, or she could take a step back and review everything. This was the start of the journey that asked for some introspection and a shift on lens in her performance. The first thing I did when I started to work with Becky is bring up the topic of recovery, and she launched straight in. I am all in on recovery. I have recovery boots. I do stretching pre and post my workouts. I have a massage therapist come weekly to the office. And every day, once I get home and the kids are to bed, I hit the foam roller. There is nothing wrong with my recovery. Yes, indeed, the committed triathlete. She was doing everything right in recovery in her lens. It was clear to me that Becky didn't really understand what properly integrated recovery was. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to repeat my outline that I framed to Becky. I asked her to take a step back 
and frame the components of recovery. And here it is for you. There are three components of recovery that we have to isolate and think about when we start to properly execute it into a program. When we actually can say recovery is a part of your program and not an afterthought. The first, sports specific. This is everything related to the planning and execution of your training. So there is the seasonal execution, ensuring that we have seasonal breaks of much lower physical stress so that we can facilitate great recuperation from the consistent training load. We also need phase or block recovery, two to five days of lower stress training integrated into the main body of work to really help restore balance and facilitate adaptations. Remember the Chris Liedo story? I talked about the cleanse three or four weeks out of the Hawaii Ironman. That's what I'm talking about here. The third component of sports-specific recovery, the easier training days or sessions. These are lighter load training days that facilitate to help recovery from prior tough training or prepare us for the upcoming key sessions in subsequent days. And the final piece of sports-specific, rest days. Complete rest, often over-prioritized by coached athletes, I have to be honest, but days where you turn your back on the sport of triathlon or endurance globally. These are used for emotional as much as physiological recuperation. But recovery in a sports-specific lens is step one. The second big bucket of recovery is lifestyle. A successful approach to recovery cannot begin and end with just your training setup. Instead, there are key supporting habits that are critical to enabling recovery in sport. So what are the lifestyle components of recovery? The first one, sleep massively important for athletes and where most physiological adaptations occur. It's important both in terms of duration and quality. And of course, you can learn a lot more by going to episode eight and listening to Dr. Chris Winter on that. The second component, nutrition. Daily eating with enough calories of the right types of calories that will create a platform of both health physiological adaptations and performance. After all, you cannot put coal in a race car. The third, and we isolate it deliberately, fueling, particularly post-workout fueling. This is a critical habit. In fact, I might say the number one habit to limit stress, repair muscles and facilitate proper nutrition in the rest of your day. The final components of lifestyle recovery are two that are emerging in the understanding of their real value and potency as recovery tools, and those would be meditation and naps. Meditation has really been now arrived science on its benefits for all performance individuals, and meditation absolutely assists in the recovery process. And aligned with meditation is naps, short blocks of 10 to 30 minutes, hopefully performed daily, where they can actually help restore your hormonal balance and have massive restorative benefits, let alone in boosting your energy and the productivity in the back end of your work day. So now we have two big components of recovery, training structure, under sport specific, the supporting habits in terms of lifestyle, and then we have finally the third big bucket, the qualitative recovery modalities. What in the world does that mean? Qualitative recovery modalities. We have sport specific, we have lifestyle, and now we talk about this. We'll simply put the modalities that 
everything you can be sold. Yes, they're the most talked about components of recovery. It's what everybody markets and they include things like massage, body work, foam rollers, heat treatments, ice and cryotherapy, compression. All very nice, but as you're going to find out, they pale in value relative to our first big subjects, nailing the sports specific and getting the lifestyle and supporting habits right. So let's come back to Becky. She now has an understanding of the three big buckets of recovery. She has sports specific, she has lifestyle, and she has her modalities. How is she going to put those into action? Well, the first step is to identify where she should place her focus. If you remember, she said she was nailing her recovery. I had to educate. The modalities are nice, but they're absolutely worthless if you don't get the lifestyle and sports-specific recovery right. That is everything. It's the 99%. The modalities become the incremental stuff that you can do if you have time, resources, and money to do so. But you have to get the sports-specific and lifestyle right first. It required that she needed to adjust her lens on success and commit to making recovery a part of her overall program. In essence, what this meant was that I asked her to go very, very easy on the easy days and, in fact, incorporate more of them and commit to them. It was a key component. You must go easy. The second critical habit... You must fuel following the workout. It must be planned and executed, not as an eat on the run, hope to get in strategy, but a non-negotiable part of life. In addition to that, we had to reframe sleep. It was a critical piece of her performance, not just in sport, but ultimately in her life. And this was always the first thing to go for Becky. So she had the top three elements. Go easy on the easy days, fuel following your workout and ensure that you get sleep in. We then started to structure her training. Some effective training is better than too much training that accumulates and ultimately doesn't deliver results. There was a shift in the barometer of success from accumulation to simply nailing the key sessions within the context of what her life brings. And in support of all of that, I asked her to take regular breaks. I had to have her appreciate the art of stepping back. Family and vacation time meant that. Yes, you can train. Yes, you can exercise. But don't look at that as a chance to drive more training in. Instead, recuperate and rejuvenate. I asked Becky to embrace seasonal breaks. It was always on. She needed to know that at certain times of the year and certain blocks, of weeks she had to take a step back. Ultimately it was critical for Becky to understand that her performance was a journey and not one that restarts from ground zero every single January 1st. Finally meditation and naps. When I brought this up to Becky I was greeted with laughter. It was impossible to nap at the office. And yet now, fast forward 18 months, she commits to 15 minutes quiet time on a daily basis and she reports massive increase in afternoon energy and consistency. You see, when there is a will and there is a will, there is always a way to get these little things done. So what were the results for Becky? 
Well, the truth is it wasn't a quick fix and it never is. It takes a process of transition to go through a new mindset and integrate new habits. Instead of asking her to focus on the immediate performance results, how fast was she swimming, cycling and running? Instead, I coached her to focus on her energy and how did she feel? It wasn't necessary to have an immediate acceleration in performance. Instead, I wanted to have a barometer on her happiness and readiness to train. In truth, it's been now about 18 months, and I would say it took six months to Becky to truly transition and buy in. It wasn't easy. It was so many elements to shift mindset around, and some of her confidence building volume was stripped away from her. But now, We've got 12 months of a new mindset and complete buy-in. So is this the point of the program where I tell you about massive performance gains? Well, yes, but the key is more than that. The key is that she's happy, that she's actually in control. And I would say she's in control of all of the institutions of her life. She feels healthy. She has her best version of herself to bring to her family, but she has energy and excitement for the key sessions. When she shows up to train, that is a part of her life that she's ready for and excited for and enjoying. And so from there, she's actually managed to create her best results so far. She's remained injury free. And I would say that she's set up with her recipe nailed. She's now established a platform that she can flourish with both the right mindset and the approach. Oh, and I will add that I'm pretty sure that we'll be enjoying an espresso on the promenade of Nice at next year's Ironman 70.3 World Championships, which is her big goal. Remember, when we think about recovery, we are bombarded by tales of grit and glory. We're peppered with movies and posters and stories of toughness and sweat and fight. And all of those are needed and critical for great performance. But the unsexy side of the equation, the piece that facilitates readiness for those tough sessions, the best execution of those tough sessions, adaptations from that hard training, and is a gateway for health and avoiding injury, let alone a retention for the passion of the journey, is recovery. I encourage you to embrace the fact that fitness is seldom the limiter. Too many simply chase fitness but arrive to events fit and fatigued. We want you, just like Chris Lieto, to arrive fit and fresh. And so, recovery. It's a big subject, but break it down into simple executional habits by framing it out in the three big components, the structure of sports-specific, my lifestyle habits, and yes, If you have time and resources, the modalities, you're going to be in a great place. Recovery has now become mainstream. And in fact, I want to give you some more resources. Here are a few components of recovery that I think are really valuable for you to follow up on. The first, my good mates Steve Magnus and Brad Stolberg. They wrote a wonderful book named Peak Performance. And in that book, they actually coined a wonderful equation to set up the value of recovery in performance globally. Stress plus rest equals growth. That's a great mindset. Don't focus only on the stress. In fact, for most of you highly motivated individuals, the stress is the easy part. It's the unsexy part of the equation, the rest, which is the place that deserves your attention. So, Steve and Brad, wonderful resources. Encourage you to get the book. I'm sure we'll have them on the show at one point. 
The second, Erin Taylor. She's the founder of Jazz Yoga. She does a great amount of work for performance yoga for athletes. And she has a wonderful book called Work In. And the way she talks about recovery, I think it's worth a read. You should go there. And the final resource, how can I not re-mention him? Dr. Chris Winter, The Sleep Solution. Don't miss episode eight. And of course, I'd encourage you to go deeper and get The Sleep Solution. There are more, but these are the resources that are not to be missed. So to close out, I want you to remember a couple of things. Recovery is not a sign of weakness. Instead, it is your catalyst to maximal performance. And hey, what more can you ask? I've just given you permission for laziness. The only key is you have to work really, really hard to earn that privilege. So until next time, remember your mission, arrive to your races fit and fresh. That's how you thrive, not just in the racing, but in health, work and life. Signing off, Matt Dixon. Take care till next time. Cheers. For the fourth year in a row, Matt Dixon and Purple Patch Fitness are hosting a three-day triathlon camp in San Francisco and beautiful Marin County, taking place this year, April 19th through the 22nd. All weekend long, you'll receive education, skills development, and training in all three triathlon disciplines, along with, of course, attention to nutrition and more. For more information on this camp and others, visit purplepatchfitness.com. Spots are filling fast for this very popular San Francisco camp. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thanks.